Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we sit down with Corrine Sandler. Someone reached out to us a few years ago, told us about Corrine. We listened to her TEDx Queens University talk. It became obvious that we wanted to chat with Corrine, and we finally got our schedules lined up after I think it was a couple years trying to get this done. But on this particular episode, we talk about imposter syndrome, principles to live by, external versus internal success, why do people feel inadequate, and I think what I really appreciate about Corrine is she really gets into sharing her own story and some of the own, her own challenges. And I think we all learn so much when we listen to someone else share their own life's journey and their own life struggles and how they've turned those into personal successes. So I really want to thank Corrine for sharing all this, all this wonderful stuff and really, really pleasure talking to Corrine. This is someone who's living life on their own terms, exactly the kind of thing we love talking about. So that's what you're going to get on this particular episode. And if you are listening to this and you haven't checked out the Your Life, Your Terms app, you should know we've updated it. It's all fast now. And I think when you go to the app, one of the most exciting things for me, I was just looking at it, trying to think what I was going to share on this intro. And one of the most exciting things for me is that everything's assembled in one spot. So when you launch the app, even if you're not a Rockstar Inner Circle member, you get access to a whole bunch of stuff. One of the things on there is the Rockstar Minutes videos. And if you click into that section, all the different videos we put up about real estate topics, economic topic, topics, it's all there for you. One of the current ones I'm looking at right now is the is titled, Is the Bank of Canada Losing Your Money? Which just personally makes me happy to talk about the Bank of Canada and central banking and this kind of stuff. So we have a YouTube video up on there, but it's all organized in the app for you. So you can get access to a whole bunch of the content that we put out by getting the Your Life, Your Terms app. So you can find that on the Apple Store. You can find that on Google Play. Basically, wherever you're getting apps for your phone, if you just search Your Life, Your Terms, you'll find the app. You can throw it on your phone. And there it is. That's enough with this wonderful intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Caradza. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, it's Tom Caradza, and we are starting this podcast with Corrine Sandler, and I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your name properly. Am I pronouncing it properly? You are. You are, Corrine. Yes. Okay, Corrine, because you're born in South Africa. And I didn't know if I'm supposed to pronounce it a different way. Like, is there a special way or something? But Kareem, got it. You got it. That's the, it's actually spelled the French way with double R. So you got Oh, you're it. pretty fancy. You're fancy then that way. <laughs> listen, I, I was just saying before we got going here that I listened to the, there's like a TED talk. It's about 16 minutes long that I think you did at Queens University. Am I right? Queen, at Queens? That's right. And, and uh, you kind of open up about yourself there. And I, I appreciate you doing this because I think you put yourself out there. A lot like it sounds like in the first part of your life, you didn't, but now you just seem to throw yourself out there and share a lot about yourself. Uh, I want to um, let everyone know your story, but I want to, I want to ask with this question first, yeah. why, why do you think people feel that they are inadequate? Why do you think that people walk around 
thinking they're inadequate because I got to tell you in this business that we're in, we talk to people about investing in real estate and somehow magically that gets them to open up about their whole lives. Like, you know, we're talking to them about real estate, but they will tell us, well, I need to get into this because of this, this, and this. And they end up telling us about their whole lives. So you hear people's story and I I will tell you 90% of the people that I speak with have some feelings of inadequacy. Where, where do you think, where does that come from in all of us? You know what? I don't think it's a bad thing, to be quite honest. I think that if we didn't feel inadequate in some aspect of our life, you know, I think we'd have these enormous egos and just walk around thinking we know everything. So there's a bit of a difference, I think, between feeling, you know, inadequate um, um, and, and having kind of this imposter syndrome, right? And and I think there's a difference there. But, you know, to answer your question specifically, if you feel if you're feeling inadequate um, about something, I used to feel very. Just give you a personal story. I used to feel very intimidated by people who had a lot of money, and um, even when I made a lot of money, I still felt intimidated by people who had a lot of money. You know, I just, I just, and you know, you. The point is, you got to push yourself to get over that, right? And and you realize that everyone has inadequacies right and nobody's perfect and everyone has their stories and everyone's been through you know shit exactly <laughs> and the, and and the minute i was able to talk about it so openly so to be okay let me be let me be completely completely authentic on here like for many many years so I've run multiple businesses and I've sold businesses. And yes, I've been successful that way. But for many, many years on my LinkedIn profile, I had that I had a degree because I was absolutely ashamed and felt completely inadequate to say that I dropped out of university. And I did. Like I'm, I dropped out of university and eventually, you know, after, you know, facing, facing that and realizing people actually admired me more for what I had accomplished having not been a, an academic. Um, just be authentic, you know? Mm. So, so, so that's now- interesting. Like I wonder, so you had that on your LinkedIn profile because you thought if I didn't have that, I wasn't the equal or people wouldn't see me equal in some capacity, but by having that, I had a degree on my LinkedIn profile, I was Okay. And that was important to you to be okay in the minds of others. Correct. It's all about perception because at the end of the day, perception's reality, right? So I felt like people would perceive me as less than. And and that's where that's the biggest the biggest issues that occur. I mean, I'm, look, I'm no psychologist by no means or anything like that. I'm just talking from my, my own personal experience in that sense. So yeah, I mean, it was there and and because I wanted, I don't know, maybe it was I wanted for people to respect me more mm-hmm. um, and people might, um, uh, give you know, pay more attention to what I'm doing. I, I, for whatever reason it was, it wasn't, it wasn't other people's issues. It was my own. Oh, sure. I've all, for, we all have. We all have. Okay, let me, let me, uh, let me ask you a question. Cause I think we all have that in different ways. And I've definitely had that before. And I don't know how I, I don't think I'm perfect. I've, I've overcome a lot of that, oh, but you know, over years and years, um, 
why did you feel like you were an, you know, you talk about imposter syndrome. Why did you feel like if you reflect back on your life and if you've, you've beaten down most of that out of your life, perhaps, why do you think you had that? Why, where did that come from? Where did imposter syndrome came, come from? Mm. Uh, that's that's, a, that's a, a long story. I mean, yeah. it really boils down to, if you really want to get into the nuts and bolts, is growing up in, in, in South Africa. I grew up in a very uh, chauvinistic uh, community and society, okay? So small community where um, it was all about kind of, uh, I, I'm not really sure I want to get into this on the podcast, but I'll tell you, we might decide to cut it out or we might not. But You decide, you decide, okay. your call, okay. your call. But the bottom line was I had an older brother and everything was about my older brother because it was all about he, what he had to do and he, you know, et cetera. Sure. That's how it was in those days. Yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, Corinne, you've got to get married really young, have babies and make sure you marry a man yeah. that's rich and is educated, okay? And my brother was like, you got to be the breadwinner. So just comp- believe it or not, it was only 50 years ago when I was born, 52 years ago, but still that there was a society there. Wow. How much has changed? Yeah. 52. You're right. Cause it, that doesn't seem like that no. long ago, no. but how, how times have changed, but sorry, go on, go on. Okay. So you were, that so, was your so, path uh, to be so approved by the path. family. That was your path. Yeah. And I always felt, um, I always felt I was, as a child, I was always given materially in that sense, but I was never given uh, the attention that I seeked, like my brother got, in a sense. So I always looked at it as um, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough, um, and that kind of, you know, it, it, it just, it, it stays with you for years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And then I always felt I needed to prove myself. So to some extent, it helped me because I really did prove myself and wanted to. Uh, but for the wrong reasons. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 then when you just start to talk about it, and it's so irrelevant now. And and yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. looking back, yeah, me, yeah. Like now I'm the one they idolize and put on the pedestal, which is irrelevant. And I don't care. But but that's I believe where where a lot of it started from. Mm-hmm. Um, a need for approval. The, the need for the need for approval and not believing you are you are you are good enough to 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 be a success and to be mm-hmm. who you are mm-hmm. now there's also a lot of people I have to tell you I had a, a, a coach a great coach who said imposter syndrome is actually good and he said because imposter syndrome drives you to be better like if you feel less yeah, yeah. for a lot of people it actually drives you to push yourself to 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 which it did for me right in that sense so i don't know what's right or wrong and you know no but- it's so interesting you say that you're bringing back this weird thought i had i don't think i've ever shared this before but when i was in the tech industry i remember learning that some of the big tech players like larry ellison who was at one point one of the richest men in the world he was the ceo and founder of oracle corporation and then like steve jobs i always wonder i had the most perverse thought i always wondered i learned that they had that they didn't have a father figure in their lives and I always thought, oh, does not does if you don't have a father figure, does that mean you like are trying to prove yourself so much to somebody out there that you go on to build these crazy large companies? And then I had this perverse thought where I'm like, well, I've had a father figure. Does that mean I'm not able to? 
Like I don't, you know how your mind works? Like I know that's completely embarrassing. Like how embarrassing is that to to think? But that's where my mind went. I'm like, oh, does that mean I'm predisposed to not be able to do something really (laughs) successful? It's just like your mind is just going to these weird places, right? Yeah, Yeah, it does. And you can... You could take it for what it's worth for some people, right? Some people it affects them, you know, in some ways and others it doesn't. But for me, it really affected me growing up where it was, you know, and, and, and even then it was, you know, like children don't talk. You keep quiet, you know, children don't talk and, and girls don't play soccer. I mean, I all I wanted to do was play soccer, right? I was I was a tomboy. But I, but there was no girl soccer. In, in How up. dare you? How dare Why? you? Yes. Yeah. Why? So, so that that was I just was constantly felt being held back and pushed down and and definitely came from that um, in terms of of my imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, and so then now, how do you, okay. So you managed to, you, I, you kind of figured that out about yourself and you've got through it. I don't What now? So now do you try to, cause I, I'm trying to think like what has really served me over the years is I try to live by principles. Like I've identified some principles that really are meaningful to me. And as long as I'm living by those principles, I feel good about myself. I feel positive. I don't feel like I'm any less or more to anyone else. And that's really helped me. That's like my North star living by these principles. Um, Do you have like a safety net or something that helps you live now and stay true to yourself? I'm asking you weird. I know I'm asking you weird questions, so I don't expect that you have these perfect answers, Corinne. I'm totally putting you on the spot. I did not prep you for this. No, not at all. I was like, okay, we're going to talk about real estate. Great. Okay. Um, So I have three things, three things. I'm completely different to who I was, but the three things I I always um, have, which I call them my core values right now. And that is uh, freedom before fortune. And I live by that. So, um, if I get, um, you know, pulled into something that I know is going to take up, you know, 20 hours of my week and I'm not going to be able to, you know, walk my dog for two hours a day, forget it. I'm not doing it. My freedom is more important. Um, uh, the other one, of course, is integrity. And then the third one, which you'll laugh at, but it's, 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 I have a question that I ask myself and it's, um, will it make me dance? And at my stage of my life, it's like I only do things that are going to make me dance. So even coming on this podcast, I was like, I used to do hundreds of these speaking engagements and all this crap, and I haven't done them for ages. And I was like, this is going to be fun. Like, will it make me dance? In other words, when when you dance, you think about it. You have no inhibitions. You're free. You feel good. And I ask myself that question often when, when things I have to make a decision. And if the answer is no, then it's no. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's smart. And, and Nick, my brother, will often say, like, if it's not a hell yeah about something, mm-hmm. it's a no, you know, because yeah. sometimes life presents you with so much and it seems like you've kind of figured that out about yourself. You're a completely, uh, it, you know, interesting person, Corrine. You've got uh, an interesting story to, to yourself. You, the, the book that you wrote, Wake Up or Die. Yes. And it, and I somewhere on one of it, the sites I read about you or something in brackets or something, it said something about art of war. Like it was mm-hmm. like, take on a, what's the, so, 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 and I, and I have to admit, I had not read you. I didn't know about your book until today. So I apologize. That's on That's me. Um, but can you tell me why the book and, and maybe the premise about the book? I'm, I'm now interested. 
Of course, sure. So, um, first of all, the book the book was was written. Um, to be honest, more of a, as and to be used more of a marketing uh, a sure. for my company when yeah. when when I was very active in the company. You're speaking but, to too much. We're market. We're we're real estate and we're marketers. So okay. like you're get, I, I we get it. We get it. We okay. get it. Um, but the premise of the book, I used to read the Art of War. Um, I read every section of the Art of War by Sun Tzu, and I just I just I just I just love that. And his whole premise is that um, you can only win a war if you have the best intelligence. It doesn't matter if you have the largest army in the world or the best weapons. It's those that have the greatest intelligence are the ones that will win. So I took his book and I wrote it in uh, business terms. In other words, you want to win in business. I mean, business is a war today, right? And if you want to win in business, that's what you need. You need the greatest intelligence. Um, and that aligned with my company, at, which was Fresh Intelligence, which was the market research company that I had, right, which is what we do. So um, that kind of was the premise of the book. I, I still live my life by, to some degree, with Sun Tzu. I think that probably every problem in the world today is caused by ignorance um you know and it's just people being ignorant of of whether it's uh you know ignorance and greed i always say ignorance and greed i think are the big biggest two problems in the world today um and if everybody would just take time to get more knowledgeable and um you know on, on numerous issues the world would be a lot bit a lot better place and i don't refer to academics i mean go get a you know a degree but i read sure. So, so anyway, I'm digressing out, but that that was the art of war, and that was uh, the book "Wake Up or Die." I wonder. Sometimes I wonder about that, like why? Because I, I think about the same thing. If 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 kind of like if only people would get a bit more educated on certain issues, the answers to me become very clear on what we can do as a community, and maybe as a nation, or as a group of people, or to our neighbors, and. Uh, I, I I sometimes struggle with trying to figure out why people don't get a bit more of an information advantage on things in their lives. And uh, I don't really know if I have the answer. The only thing I've been able to come up with has been that people are busy and, and you're trying to pay the bills. And if, you know, if you have responsibilities and a house to pay for, you don't have time to, to kind of figure things out. But uh, I guess the point of view I'm coming from Corinne is I'm always thinking about the, the system of money. And I personally believe it's skewed against the middle class, that the way the money systems work is skewed to whoever's closest to the money printer, which usually means C-level corp, you know, corporations. Um, and I kind of discovered that real estate was like this weird way that the typical Canadian or average person could get close to the money printer mm -hmm. because by them getting a mortgage on a property, they're actually creating money just like the big corporations get access to money. And it was like this weird hack for me. And it's kind of the basis of Rockstar. It was like, wow, if you are a real estate investor, not only are you investing in real estate, which is kind of cool, you're hacking the money system. And that came from a lot of years of kind of studying the money system and trying to figure things out. And I really feel it's been uh, a key in my own personal um, freedom. And sometimes I, I, I do get frustrated when people don't spend the time to try to think about things and, and maybe how simple changes in their lives can make um big changes in the results they have or the way they live. Now I'm digressing. Now you got me going off on a, on, yeah, on a tangent. No, but, like, you're right. I mean, you know, there's no, there's, there's, there's no question about it. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's so much that we don't have time. I think it's that we don't want to. 
You think so? I do. I do. You know, um, I, I think that there's a lot of indoctrination in, in the world today and a lot of just followers and people need a leader that they can just follow and they, you know, instead of kind of learning both sides and understanding, um, because, you know, you, you don't, there's just, in order to to tolerate other, whether it's ethnic groups or or, or, or political groups or whatever it is, there's just a, a little bit of understanding and listening that needs to go with that, you know. Um, and I say this coming from and being brought up in the apartheid era mm-hmm. in, in in South Africa. So I've I've been through it, you know, true, you know, turmoil and 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 democracy and seeing people flee. And I left, right? And um but I think, you know, having having learned to to see the other side in a in a different viewpoint than I did when I was 26 years old and living there and being petrified and wanting to leave. Um, has made me realize how easy it is to do. It, it really is easy to do. And I think it's just lack of wanting to. Um, it's easy. I mean, Tom, let's let's be honest. It's much easier to just have your beliefs, your religion, and 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 and, and your uh, attitudes than 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 understanding someone else's. Right? Yeah, it makes it easier just to. And you're taking me back to your talk now, but it's making it's it's easier just to judge people then because you just don't have to think. You can just judge <laughs> i'm just laughing because so much throughout history and i and i think you know my own family my father comes from a place called croatia and, and uh, you know that that part of the world has a history where people quickly judge each other based on base you know what religion you are or what part of the land you were born on and you're quickly just judge but there's so much nuance and uh yeah so I'll tell you a I'll tell you a quick story. I might digress in this a bit, but this was this was a breaking point for me. Uh, my oldest daughter, who's who's twenty two now, was six years old. She had just started a, a grade one, and I'd put her into French immersion. And you know, typical mother, I'm driving in my minivan, and she's at the back, and like how was first day of school, and all excited, and she's like, "Oh, mommy, I met a new girl, and her name is Grace." Now, um, may, may put it into perspective, but the name Grace was it was a was an african name in in south africa you know not a white name an african name in south africa um it just happened to be so so i turned around and i went oh uh is she a black girl ash you know and she said i don't know mom i didn't really look at her skin and there was there was a breaking point for me i was just the way I had been brought up, you've got to understand with blinkers sure. on. Sure. Actually yeah, making yeah. a documentary about this now, but that's besides the point that I've only saw, I only was able to see color, right? Mm-hmm. And how important it was not to. And, sh- and I was just like, yeah. Oh my God. It, I- called out, it called out some of your own. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I was so grateful that my kids didn't have that judgment what, that I what- grew up with. You know, I grew up in Canada, like in Mississauga. Think about that. Like, think about how, like, kind of safe and simple it is to grow up in a place like Mississauga, kind of a boring suburb of Toronto, right? Um, but when you, you said you were 26 and you were scared in South Africa. Right. What were you scared of? Crime. Oh, there was, um, well, during a few years before that, obviously, during during um, you know when, when when Nelson Mandela was released, and then there was you know 
all, all that was going on, there was a lot of um, talk about, you know, taking the white man's house and and uh, taking the white man's job and, you know, all of that. Um, that, I have to be honest, that didn't really, I wasn't really fearful from that perspective because he was the most incredible man and saved the country, Mandela, in terms of what he did and the way he actually embraced all the ethnic groups, et cetera, to come together. But what happened was it didn't really happen, and it still hasn't happened in South Africa fast enough in terms of the equality. So there is enormous amount of crime. I mean, just to give you an idea, I think there's 70, 80, 80 murders a day in Johannesburg. I think we have that a year in the whole of Canada. Um like, I, like when I tell people I carried a gun, right? I was nervous. My dad used to travel. I'd stay at home by myself with my mom. And we were scared because this the crime is just really uh, insane there. The break-ins, um, the robbery, the theft, um, and the murder. So, yeah, I mean, we live behind um, three security gates, high walls, barbed wire. People still live like that there now. Um, and living in that type of fear is is when i came to canada and i knew i could go to sleep with my front door open i i, I cannot i have to tell you to this day i cannot i have to lock my door i don't have an alarm anymore but i have to lock my door so that inbred fear in you it you know takes years and years and years to leave and i'm going back now for the first time i'm taking my children back in december I'm only going to Johannesburg for two days, but I have to tell you, I, I I am nervous. I am a little bit nervous about going back and just making sure that my kids are safe because we don't know how lucky we have at living in a country like this where you can go for a walk outside. You just cannot do that there. People don't realize the extent of the crime in Johannesburg. So when I complain about Canada and how it could be better, I should keep my relative thinking hat on thinking how lucky we are here. So I'm like, you know why? Cause I'm, I'm very guilty sometimes of criticizing Canada, especially in the last maybe five years. And to me, I feel okay with it. Cause I, because I'm like, okay, relatively speaking, Canada is still better than places maybe like South Africa, like you're saying. But when I see simple things that could be better in this country, I'm like, I want to talk about them. And then yeah. people will think I'm criticizing Canada. And then maybe I am. So now I'm lost. I'm like, do I criticize this country or do I not? What, from your eyes, am I allowed to criticize Canada or, or should I not? Absolutely no right answer. Not. There's no, no, Absolutely not. no, no. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you something. Honestly, Tom, I was listening to a podcast. I don't know when you recorded it. And I won't mention names. It was a couple of weeks ago. Maybe you recorded it. I was walking my dog and listening to it yesterday. And I actually switched it off because it was so negative. I actually did. Because as an immigrant coming to Canada, this is the greatest country in the world. Yes, we have issues. Every country does. But trust me, I have seen like what it has, what it does. I mean, a quarter of our population in 2030 is going to be immigrants. And, and you know, what it's given me and most people who came the freedom that, yes, our healthcare has more issues now, but still, you know, um, the opportunity to have North America at our – you know, at our, at our border and to have capitalism and to make, you know, yeah, the money that yeah. we do. Um, it's an amazing place to bring up kids. It's an amazing place for the elderly. Um, I, you know, I always, I kind of said Canada has socialistic views, but a capitalistic kind of economy, you know. And from that perspective, as an immigrant, it is a 
wonderful. It, it really is. I've lived mm-hmm. in England. I've lived in Europe. I've lived and and I can say that it is, um, yeah. I'm not going to stay here forever. It will always be my home because I can't handle the winters anymore. But it's it's a phenomenal, phenomenal country. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I wonder if it. I wonder if it comes from just yeah, have more time on my hands, and then all of a sudden, prob. You know, you you occupy yourself with problems that maybe you shouldn't. But that's interesting to hear. That no, I need I to. Think- I, I need to be happy about Canada, Corinne. You're reminding me to be <laughs> to be very grateful for. Listen, I don't exist without this country. Like my mom's Scottish, she came here. She meets my dad, who's yeah. Croatian, at Palais Royal off Lakeshore Avenue in Toronto. Wow. They met each other dancing there, and Nick and I are products of this country. So it is genuinely unfair for me to be critical of a country that gave me my existence. Um, so I yeah, think, I, I, I think it's because you've never seen worse. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't know if I can say that in a sense, or you just take it for you take it for granted. I think it's just taken for granted. Yeah, which is great, you know, in that sense. But. Um, yeah, no, and I do have friends. I do have friends who challenge me on that. They're like, Tom, like relatively speaking, Canada's amazing. What are you talking about? And I agree with them. But then my my comeback to that is, well, why don't we just do some things that make it even better? That, that's all. That's that's where I guess where I'm coming from. It's like, I know this place is pretty great, but now I'm getting frustrated because it seems very simple to make it even better. And so when people tell me, look, be happy with Canada as it is, I'm always like, well, it just seems so obvious that you could we could just do this and it would be even better. But I guess then that's the challenge for me to step up and do something about it than instead of just talking or complaining. Now we're now I'm yeah. So you're, you're calling me out, Corrine. Great. Um, I like it. I, I like it. I was going to ask you something else, but did I cut you off there? Were you about to say something? No, no, no. Oh, go, ahead, go ahead. Okay. So now I just want to switch gears um, a little bit. Now that I have, a, I have a couple of friends that are going to be so happy. You told this, uh, you explained Canada this way to me, by the way, they're going to be so happy that you did this. <laughs> um, uh, life, you know, at the beginning part of uh, your life, it feels like you lived in a scary place and you were having thoughts and you had imposter syndrome and maybe feelings of inadequacy. Now you mentioned that your parents look to you like with pride, it sounds like, and they, you know, they're very, you know, they, they, they're they, it sounds like they couldn't be happy for you, happier for you. If I'm reading this properly, Do, is life just a perfect balance? Did you have to go through the negativity at the beginning to get the positivity now? Like, is life just a perfect balance? If, and if anyone's in a in a negative spot now, does that mean there are uh, there's a chance with the right thinking, uh, you know, and the right actions that there's great times ahead? Is 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 life just like that? Absolutely. I mean, it's cyclical, right? Um, but I also think your attitude is so important. I've always been, and I've been through, and I'm happy to talk about anything you want to talk about that, that's out in the public domain. Um, you know, that was on my on, on my TED talk. But I always see the glass half full, not half empty. No matter what, I always see positivity, and I think that even even in your twenties and your early thirties, because I think you said. At the age of, I think you said at the age of 38, do I have the age right? At 38, you finally came out as a gay woman? Yes. Correct? Yes, that is correct. So did you even on the years of your 20s and early 30s, did you still at that time have a glass half full attitude or no? Yeah, I did. I did. You know, I left, 
with, with everything. I'm just that kind of person. When I left South Africa, I left South Africa with with two suitcases and my entire life savings at that point, which was nine thousand dollars. And I remember I had to sign for an apartment. I had nothing else, and you know, and I had to sign for an apartment. It was this tiny little uh, a condo apartment at, at Young and Finch, and it was uh, nine hundred seventy dollars a, a month. And I had to sign for 12 months. So I had nothing, right? Like do the math, right? And I had my budget of $50 a month for food. I mean, it was insane. I'm going back like 30 years. But but nothing, like I was always positive about that. I was always like, you know, uh, my first huh. my first job after seven weeks, I got a job in an advertising uh, uh, um, agency and they went bankrupt. And then I was selling advertising for a, uh, the Yellow Pages. Like I was never... I never looked at things badly. I always looked at things are going to, things are like I'm working towards a better future. I always knew what I wanted. Um, and you know, there's that saying, I don't know, you know, change your thoughts and you change your world. And it's, mm-hmm. it's true. It's absolutely true. The difference is though, Tom, is that a lot of people think and dream, but don't do. And I'm a doer. So I want to do something. I, 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 I action it. So, you know, yes, I'm a positive person, but I action things, which makes things come to life, you know? So if you said you wanted to be a, I don't know, you wanted to be an actor at Hollywood, right? And like there would be your dream job one day and people just sit and they don't get off their ass and do it. Then it's not going to happen. You know, mm. the universe will bring you stuff, but you've got to act towards it. You've got to move towards it. So uh, what, what do you think are some strategies, like how did you manage to act when you were doing things that were new to you? How were you acting day to day? So for me, when we started this particular business, I had these little index cards and every day I wrote down the top three things I had to do as well as all the nonsense, like, you know, the nonsense being renew driver's license, pay that bill, do all the stupid stuff. But like, here's the three things that were going to get me further ahead towards my goal. Um, And that those little index cards every day just kept me straight. Like it kept me focused. It kept me on track. Were there some things just on a daily basis that helped you take action over your life or, or just, did you know what to do all the time? You know, I think, you know, there's that, there's that, I mean, years ago when I was very active in running my businesses, there was the, you know, I, I don't know if I'm getting it right, Covey's Quadrants and it was. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about with the, ind- okay, the, the okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I Stephen Covey's four, qua- yes. four Quadrants. Right. Yes. I, and I used to use that, but now I don't. Now it's like, okay, you know, I'm at the stage of my life now where I, I only need to do things that will make me dance. And um, I got uh, about you know, let me just explain the situation. What actually amplified it more was three years ago, it was almost March 2020, when COVID first came out, I got it. And I got really sick. There was no uh, vaccines or anything at that mm-hmm. stage. But what happened was it triggered an autoimmune disease in me. And at the time, I was actually training to run my first marathon. And I was diagnosed with a autoimmune disease caused, called polymyalgia rheumatica. And until they diagnosed me, it took forever. But for about four weeks, I could not walk. I couldn't walk. I couldn't get out of bed. My daughters used to have to help me, carry me to, 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 to the shower. You know, to, to. I couldn't sit down to, to on the toilet. I and and my entire love of my life is walking my dog on, on the. I can tell you've brought that up a few times. I can okay. tell. Yeah. <laughs> she's, my, she's the love of my life. 
And when that is taken away from you, you know, it always says, make, it always takes a tragedy to make people realize more. Um, that that really definitely, you know, um, escalated my desire to to live life on 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 my terms faster than than I might I might have, and not worry so much about you know having you know x amount of money in the bank or or or, or, or making sure that I have you know twenty homes you know mm-hmm. or retire or something like that. So that escalated it. Um, I know I think I digressed and the question really was about how do I just act? How do I just do things? Um, I just, I just, I, I, I don't, I do things because I really want them. And, you know, if you really, you, you can have anything you want in life. You just got to want it. It's as simple as that. You could have everything you want in life. You just have to want it. And most people don't really want it because if you really want it, you'll go do it. And it's at once. Mm-hmm. It does seem pretty obvious to me now that you can, looking back, I'm, I'm turning 50 right now and it seems pretty obvious to me that, yeah, you're right. You can have really anything that you want. I feel like when you're younger, you, you kind of have these self-imposed barriers, uh, but you almost want to be appointed. Like you almost, I feel like in your twenties, I felt like somebody had to appoint me good enough you know, or even like starting this business to help people with real estate investments. I feel like early on, we almost felt like we needed somebody to appoint us worthy. Like, yes, you are good enough to help these Canadians do this. And you kind of have to fight that internal battle of like, because, you know, Nick and I had those thoughts, like, who are we to be telling people, even though we had been investing in real estate as a family and ourselves for decades, we were like, who are we to be helping these people? And you almost want some other third party to come and like tap you on the head and say, yes, you know, you are, you are good enough to do it. But uh, now I know is if you want something, there's the only one stopping you is you, you just have to kind of, kind of push forward. It seems like naturally you take a lot of action. You don't need you don't need people to like lay down a blueprint for you. You'll just go out and do stuff, which Corinne, I think is rare. I, I think most people want the blueprint. Like most people want the safety rails of a blueprint to say, do this, this, and this, and you will be okay. Whereas I feel in speaking with you and learning about your life, like moving from South Africa, $9,000, signing this rent, $50 a month in food. You just sound like you're just going to make it happen. You know, you're just going to kind of do it. And I, I got to give you a lot of credit to that. It's kind of inspiring to hear. So, uh, yeah, I think, and I think there's a certain type of person. I've had this question so often where someone says, um, do you think there's certain characteristics or skill sets you need to be an entrepreneur? And, and, you know, obviously risk averse and all that kind of stuff, but you know, belief in belief is, is huge. Right. And, and just believing in yourself. And, you know, I, I'm so I hate when I hear people complain. Like I was a single mother of four kids. Um, I brought four kids like on my own, <laughs> and I ran multiple businesses, and I had to take care of them emotionally and financially. And I'm no heroine. Like I'm definitely not. And people say, but and I was like, you just do what you have to do. I never used an excuse. You know, I never used an an excuse to say. Um, Oh, I, 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 you know, I have to be, I have four kids. Like I just can't start a business or I, so, you know, it's, it's just how you, how you look at things, you know, it really is. And that's, you know, given me the, the, the impetus as well to, 
you know, live live my life now at 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 a, at a at a young age at fifty two the way I want because I worked the way I did and put all those hours in and I never missed a thing of my kids. I never missed a parents' evening. And I, I, I was home for dinner most nights. Um, you know, when I traveled, I had my mom mom there. You know, so I don't think my kids did not lose out in any way. If anything, they they probably respect and admire more for that you know but then there were down times Tom I mean it's not all great trust me I I had some really bad hard times I sold a business a tech business which wasn't structured properly um, after the first year they went bankrupt so I never got paid out for that um, then I had problems in, a, in in my market research business I left it to start another business and the guy I brought in ran it down to the ground at one point I had two months of of, of like a run rate of two months with, you know, 45 employees. I mean, I, like oh, wow. night, nightmare stories. It's not all, you know, and, 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 you know, um, so, so yeah, you know, and it's just how you deal with things. And I think maybe that is part of, I just, I just, I, I think I'm a, I'm a fighter and, you know, as an entrepreneur, you need to be, you know, you need to, you know, yeah. Okay. You remind me. Yeah. You're definitely, you're definitely a fighter. It's something I try to share with my kids all the time. I'm like, Hey, you just got to go out there and do stuff without the mistakes. You don't have enough raw material to make a good judgments. Like you need a whole bunch of mistakes in life. Like you kind of have to go out there and screw up. If you don't screw up, you have no kind of guideposts to tell you what's right. Like you can't just oh always God, make God, right decisions. Wow. Yeah. So you just, and it sounds like you, <laughs> that's the journey that you've, I'm only laughing because we've all been there. Nick and I started this business in the basement of my house, licking envelopes on our hands and knees on a cement floor, our marketing envelopes. You know, we put these brochures, yeah, we would lick the envelope yeah. and he would literally get mad at me if I was licking them too slow because it was late at night. We both wanted to go home and we would start arguing over who was, we didn't even, we weren't even smart enough at first to get glue sticks for the envelopes. We were like licking the envelopes and sealing them. And we were getting into arguments over who's licking envelopes faster. Like, this is just like the stupidity of that you go through in life on stuff. And they were bad arguments at one point. But anyway, I'm curious, you said at one, uh, at one point, and I want to ask what you're doing now. Yeah. Tune in a minute, but another another question first. You said you the winters are getting tough. I uh, where is someone like you going to end up? Where is the next? Because you know we've already decided Canada's amazing. Yes, we already you've you've told me that Canada's amazing. I have to check myself. So uh, Canada's <laughs> amazing, uh, but but now um, we, yeah, I'm curious. What part of the world is is attracting you? Is that something you can share or? Absolutely, it's Italy. There's no question. I um I will be I, I I will end up there. I just I actually went now to purchase property there. And, uh, it was a, it's it's a whole different story, but um Italy is where I is where I want to be. Um, I I just I love I love the people. I love the food. I love the geography. Um, uh, it, it's exceptionally cheap to live there. Property is is, is so cheap. I, when I hear my friends buying co cottages for a million dollars, and I tell them. Oh, I got a penthouse on the beach, uh, you know, for for sixty thousand dollars, and they're like, "No, you didn't." I'm like, "Yes, I did," um, wow. <laughs> and I can go there all the, all the time, right? So, um, also, I think you know, I have my daughter studying in Europe now, and she wants to stay. So, you know, I'm thinking cool. it's just Europe is probably where I where where, where I'll land up. I'll always have a home here, no question about it, in Canada, but winters will be spent probably in Calabria. 
Oh, very nice. Yeah, we yeah, I think I think I mentioned we go to Croatia for about a month every summer. We have a place on the coast there, a two-bedroom condo. Um, no penthouse, two-bedroom condo, but it's nice. It's really nice. And uh I I love it over there, the food quality and oh. yeah, the pace of life and uh sometimes I come back here and I think, "Oh my gosh, we're all kind of running in circles over here." Yeah. Um and 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 uh yeah. So, wow. Great choice. Uh, my wife's from, uh, family is from Florence, Italy. And so when we go there and we get the behind the scenes tour of Florence and the food, uh, yeah. Amazing place. I did not think you were going to say Italy. I, I was thinking the classic, like Costa Rica, or I don't know, somewhere uh, Panama or something, but Italy, great choice. I'm on board. I'm on you. board. Uh, you, yeah. uh, so what are you, so uh, I don't know what you're currently at. What are you up to now? Are you work? Cause I know you were, yeah. you've, you, you, you've been mentored, you've worked with business owners, you mentor. What are you doing right now? I did a lot of work with, um, mentoring uh, startups when I had my my tech company um, at the digital DMZ and all the, you know, uh, in, uh, accelerators and incubators. And I worked there for seven years helping them. And then, you know, I, I, I was enough of that. I can um, tell by your body language, it was enough of that. <laughs> it, was, it was enough of that. It was like, I just, yeah. Um, I have to tell you that, you know, I know we didn't even get to that, but uh, when I got when I got really ill and I um, had to I, on a lot I had to go into a lot of medication and that to help me I, I couldn't work and I stopped working and um, some I've got somebody else running you know still the market research business but if it wasn't for my real estate that I had I I wouldn't have been able to take all the time off and do what I was was what I was able to do and. Um, when I was, and I'll tell you how I got into it quickly. Mm. But but when I my, my grandfather in South Africa owned a, a a building in an area in in Johannesburg, and my, uh, he died when I was really young. And my dad used to look after the building, so my dad used to take me there. I used to get in the car with him, and he used to, you know we used to go there every Sunday, and he used to check on the building. And it was a hybrid, um, so it it had a, a retail at the bottom, and you know he'd buy me a little from the convenience store there, a little lollipop, and I'd sit on the stairs while he walked around. And I would sit there and I would dream and I'd be like, one day I'm going to own own property like this. And that's where it all started. And the fact that, I don't have to say this because I know you're in it, but it's the greatest asset class in the world. You do not need, you can be the, the really and truly like, <laughs> say it, idiot. you can say it. Yeah. You can be the biggest idiot and make money on real estate. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is how basic it is. Where in the world mm. you get to buy something Get somebody else to pay for With it. Leverage, yeah. And when they finish paying for it, it's worth more than you bought it for. Okay, like not even yeah. from a cash flow. But so, so I bought property and 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 really did well years ago, and that's really what helped me. And and then I decided that I'm going to buy a property one every year for the next ten years, and I just started. Oh wow. Um, and residential, commercial, does it matter? Uh, residential, single family, residential, large lot sizes, smaller towns, uh, growing population. Um, that you rent, you, so they're rental property, long term buy and hold rental properties. You yeah. get a property manager to manage it. Do you manage it? I hated my property managers. I I I manage it. It's so it's really um, I I buy I buy 
well in terms of that it's, it's it's i make sure that there's nothing you know listen every now and then a toilet goes i mean how how, how sure how, yeah find yeah. a plumber in ottawa right it takes yeah. two seconds and i enjoy mm-hmm. doing that and i enjoy the relationship with my tenants so you know i just wanted to to to, to say that that is that has really helped me um just considerably and being an entrepreneur and owning your own business you do have not have no pension fund and that to me was like I have a great pension now because well, it's, know, it's funny you say that I, 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 we talk about, I think when I got introduced to real estate investing through books, our family had already been in it, but through the books, I was always told it was passive income. And I've always thought that's not quite right because you do have to be involved, but what the beauty of real estate, I've almost felt like it tricked people in, in a positive way to become business owners because they bought real estate because they thought they wanted some passive income or something. But it's a business. You have customers living in there. You're offering the service of a shel- of shelter. But this business isn't just like a normal business where the operations of the business is typically what is valuable to most business owners, right? Like they know how to get customers and they sell them services and they do stuff. But real estate investing, you're offering the service of housing, but you have this hard asset built into the business where the bank will lend against it. The bank will refinance it. When you're a business owner starting a business from scratch, when you first go to the business, uh, sorry, a bank in the first two or three years, they kind of laugh at your financials. They're like, you listen, we're barely going to even increase your credit card limit. That's what Nick and I, they laughed at us. Even though we paid every month on time, they're like, we're not going to increase your credit card limit to 15,000 a month. Are you guys crazy? But you go with a property and they're like, oh yeah, well, here's 50,000 more on a credit line. So like, it's this weird business that comes with the hard asset of the property. And it's just a thing of beauty. And you're right. Anyone can hold the real estate. And sometimes you do get into problems. You can't over leverage. Interest rates are going wild a little bit. Now there's, there are things to watch, but over the long middle and medium and longer term, it is a, it is a quite a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you know, when I started to get into real estate, I decided, okay, I need to educate and learn everything and was going to take courses and, and read yeah, books. Yeah. And I'm in research. And one thing I found was that, you know, people overanalyze real estate. It's so simple. There's like I started to learn, like, you know, like work out my NOI and cap rates and all this. And I don't look at any of that. <laughs> I look at three things. I look at three things. And that's it, Tom. I like what? you know. Is this area population growing and why is it growing? What are the key industries in that area? Like that, and I can see like there's steel plants and there's government, you know, and, and the vacancy rate. And that's it for the area. And that's all I look at. And 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 then I look at, yeah, you know, as long as I've got to make a little bit of money every month, that to me is not important cash flow because it's long term. Um, but um uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, good for you. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was part of your story. Yeah, super interesting. Yeah, yeah it's a big part of my, and that's why that's I think also why I was I was listening to a lot of real estate podcasts, and I just I couldn't. I have to be honest, they, I didn't I didn't like any of them because yeah. <laughs> a lot of them were around, and that's why I love listening to yours. I'm not just saying it because I'm here with you, but. No, oh, but you turned mine off the other day. You said I was so negative. You shut me down. You're right in the middle of the walk. You're probably cursing me. You're probably cursing me right after. But, but you know what it wasn't? You or somebody on your podcast that was being so negative as well. Okay, okay. Oh, now you're I, bringing somebody else in. Okay, maybe it was the somebody else. <laughs> you won't go there. You won't go there. Um, but yeah, so, and, and people were, 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 and this is how I look at it. People were like, okay, um, listening to these podcasts and you get these young guys, you know, yeah, yeah. 24 years old and they're like, oh, I've got 200 doors. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And, all this. And, yeah. and I was like, it's so dangerous that message because 
I said, I, I was thinking like, well, how many do you own? Because I look at it as though like, for me, my, the way I think, if you don't, if you haven't paid down 50% of your mortgage, then you don't own it. It's a liability. It's not an asset. That's just my thinking. So until I've done that, then I say, oh, yeah, now I can say I've got three or four whatever number of houses mm-hmm. because I know I have more equity in there than, than I owe the bank. And that's just my way of thinking, maybe more conservatively. No, we're so, with you. I hated that language, Doors, I think because of our oh, family's history it. in the 90s and almost real estate taking us under, under bankruptcy, like losing our family home and misses, like the whole bit, like brutal yeah. 90s situation. When I heard people talk about Doors as I got into the real estate industry, it always just scared me. I'm like, I don't think you guys know or, or or what you're talking about. Like you're, you could be over leveraged. You are dangerous, and yeah. it's not just about how many properties are under your name. Are you managing it properly? Can you handle the ups and the downs? Can you go through yeah. a down cycle and survive? It's this yeah. game's about survival more than about how many, right? So that's that's kind of amazing that you figured that out, Corinne. That's that. Yeah, and I think it was just not going into too much of the analytics and listening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think maybe I started getting into real estate much later in my life. So I had been through all the bullshit and listened to all the crap and I could just, you know, you could could tell it was crap. I could tell it was it was yeah. crap. Been there, done that, fallen on my ass. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's funny you say yeah. that because sometimes Nick, uh, actually Nick is just meeting with someone right now as we're recording this, and and I went in to say hi, and they had a couple of quick questions for me. They're like friends of friends, and I just broke it down, just like you're breaking it down, because they were asking, me, is there a magic number, a capitalization rate, or this? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's the rent? What city am I in? What's the rent? What are the expenses that I can control? And that's pretty much it. <laughs> you know, yeah. just like, yeah. and hang on yeah. for dear life, and then hang on for dear life. Like, hang on and get through the ups and downs. And, you know, you know, if you have to make a service call or a maintenance call, like hang on for dear life. But, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and just know what some of your, your, your key things are like, you know, like um, I'm looking in, 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 in Sault Ste. Marie now. And one of the things I just learned was that your house, don't buy a house that doesn't have a frost wall. Now mm-hmm. I've never learned, I never knew what a frost wall was before. So this is great, right? You yeah. learned this, right? So now I know like the first thing I was like, if it doesn't have a frost wall, I don't even bother going to see it, right? So, And I'm sure there'll be some things in Italy that you'll learn about. By the way, our place in Croatia took us four years to close. So another positive thing about Canada is that Canada has one system to find all the real estate you could ever want. You can, the lawyers and the banks all work together and it beautifully happens. You can close on a property in 30 days quite easily in this country. In in Croatia, it took us four years to get that closed properly. And, you know, it was just, there were some circumstances that were unique to that particular property, but still yeah. four years. Oh, I can't right? believe it. So, oh, I, I can believe so it. there yeah, you go. I See, can... I'm pro-Canada. I'm pro-Canada right there. There right you now. go. You're pro-Canada. You are, you're Canadian. Your what, kids are Canadian right? what are you, so what are you up to? Are you working with people right now? Or are you not? What are you up to right now? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I mean, really, I, I manage my real estate, you know, I'm constantly also looking for, for new, for new things. There's a lot of opportunity now. I mean, you know, everyone's, running away because they're scared of the interest rates I run towards, right? And people are run I'm running towards. I think there's huge opportunity now for real estate, if anything. Um and um so that I I you know that's 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 I'm still you know I, I 
little bit in my in, in, in my research business here and there where I can, uh, you know. And other than that, just really enjoying it. It's the first time all my kids have are, are off at university, all of them. So I'm just enjoying my time now, you know. Awesome. I, I, I read a lot. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, Corinne. You seem just speaking to you. You seem like you're in a good place. You know, so, uh, and I know we all have different things. We're always battling. I just mean, in general, you seem just speaking to you. You seem like you're in a really good place. I'm in a and great place. I'm, I, yeah. I'm in a great place now. Um, I, I really am. And I'm so fortunate and I, and I, and I, and, and you need to be humble in life. I don't ever forget for one second, you know, how things can turn, but as a, as a mother, and I can probably say this as a father, I say, you can only be as happy as your least happy child. Oh, and that wow. is so true. And when I see all my four kids happy, nothing mm. else in the world matters, you know. And I and and I really put that into perspective because if you have a kid that's struggling somehow, it's you know it's very hard for you as a parent to be fulfilled in any way or happy. And and I'm just that to me, I'm so so grateful for that I managed to bring up four, you know, pretty average kids who are able, able to go to university and college and you know avoid any major crisis it's it's yeah they're going to be able to update their linkedin profile with the degree or the call diploma you know <laughs> oh boy very good congratulations corinne pleasure getting to know you a little better and if someone does want to reach out to you is there is there a, a way or right now no there's just no way to, what, what what would be the way yeah i mean i i'm not sure what what what, I don't you know, know. Someone listening to this, who knows who's listening to this? We're none of us. We of don't even know. Of course they can. I love meeting new people. Um, I love meeting new people all the time. So, I mean, you know, but yeah, I mean, I'm at Corinne Sandler um, at me.com. My name at me.com. If anybody, you know, wants, sure. wants to reach out or, or chat to me, etc. in any way. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, it was great talking to you and I, and yeah, you know, hopefully there's some, Oh yeah, no, this yeah. was wonderful. Thank you for taking a leap of faith and doing this without knowing us. I really, really appreciate this, Corrine. I really yeah, do. I mean, thank you. Real pleasure getting to know you and thank you for sharing your story, a bit of your story. I feel like there's so much more to your story, but thank you for sharing your story. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Lovely to meet you too, Tom. My pleasure. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Corrine. I really love it to hear from someone who's sharing their journey directly with us and explaining how they are choosing to live their life on their terms. So real pleasure, hoping to catch up with Corrine again sometime soon. And if you are listening to this and you don't have the Your Life, Your, Life, Your Terms app, what are you waiting for? Go to the Apple Store, Google Play, wherever you're finding your app, search Your Life, Your Terms. You can throw the app on your phone and get access to all of our content on one spot. That's Your Life, Your Terms. Go to any app store, the, the Apple iTunes one, the Google Play one, wherever you're finding your apps, and you will find the Your Life, Your Terms app for your phone. That is it for this episode. Until next time, Your Life, Your Terms.